0: From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio. Fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Democrats and the NAACP want to sue, overstand your ground. The White House is forced to withdraw David Chipman's nomination for head of the ATF. President Biden wants to sign on to a U.N. gun control treaty, and here comes the CDC wanting to once again use health research to push an anti-gun agenda. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Rob Sexton, BFA's Legislative Affairs Director. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Dean. Glad to be with you.
0: Well, Rob, uh, man, I'm looking at the news and it uh, just seems like maybe I'm just getting older and crankier, but it seems like the world just gets crazier every single day. I, I mean, I, I know you're watching all this news, too, the this Delta variant. It's freaking people out. They're talking about shutdowns again. I was reading about in Australia and New Zealand. I, I guess they're they shut those countries down hard. I mean like you can't yeah. leave your house. Columbus yes. is talking about you know mask mandates again. In fact, I think as we're recording this, this is on a Friday. I think they go into effect today so right. that we're back to mask mandates. Biden is mandating vaccines. That's not that is not going to help. Uh, with the, with the attitudes people have, you know, people are going to fight that. That is just going to make it worse. And Rob, I was reading Wright Patterson had a lockdown yesterday. Did, did you see that? They thought there was an active shooter Yes. and they were searching and they didn't find anybody. So I, I don't know what that was all about. We have hostages in Afghanistan.
1: I mean, man, it makes me just want to not look at the news. That's right. You know, (laughs) I agree. Maybe just go spend time on the range or something because, wow, right now, reading the news doesn't give you much confidence, does it? It really, really doesn't. But there is some good news, Rob. Uh, this is officially the
0: 30th episode of Keep and Bear Radio. You were on the first episode, and here we are on episode 30. And uh, I think that deserves a little bit of applause, don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> a little, uh, little applause from our, from our studio audience. So 30 episodes. Um, I mean, it, it seems like we just started this, and we're getting a lot of great feedback. People are subscribing. More people are, are listening to these episodes. You know, we, we did it because we wanted another way to, to reach people. That and the board of directors told me I had to do a podcast, uh, but uh, <laughs> that was the real reason. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're doing it because I think we're reaching a lot of people and it, you know, gives people a way to uh, listen to information in, in, in a more in-depth way than they can if, if they're just reading an article on the blog. So uh, you were on the first episode, now you're on the 30th episode. I guess we're going to have to do something for episode 50 or episode 100 when
1: we, when we finally get to that. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to be with you. It's, I think these have been really informative. I've had friends who have subscribed tell me, Hey, you know, I I listened to the keeping Bear arms thing. That thing's pretty cool. So I think we're doing good and I'm I'm sure it's just going to keep getting better as we, you know, as we get the hang of doing this the best way we can.
0: Yep. Well, I'm, I'm learning and I got to say, it sounds a little weird, but I never really listened to podcasts before we started doing a podcast. And now right. I'm listening to podcasts all the time. There are just millions of them out there. And I, I, I can't tell you how many that, that I listen to now. And yep. it's, it's really opened up a, a whole new world. So I, I hope for all our listeners that they're enjoying this as well. And, and if you are listening to this, hey, I mean, give us a good rating. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, leave some good comments on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you don't subscribe, if you're just going to the website and listening, subscribe. It's free. And uh, you, you have an app built into your phone, whether it's an iPhone or an Android. And subscribing just means it's like our newsletter. It just comes to you. So when we have a new podcast that comes out, you'll know about it. So, Rob, um, I, I had some topics lined up here. And then this story came over the AP Newswire uh, Democrats and the NAACP are suing yes. Ohio over the so called Stand Your Ground bill. We never really called it that. It was duty to retreat, which was removed. Apparently, it's uh, Representative Stephanie House, a Cleveland Democrat, and Cecil Thomas, no surprise, out of Cincinnati, our good friend uh, Cecil Thomas, and they're. Um, Their claim is that stand your ground, duty to retreat, moving, removing duty to retreat is unconstitutional. They say uh, that it didn't have three days of hearings and violated the law. And, uh, you know, it was inserted into a bill that didn't have similar subjects, which is the way that an amendment is supposed to work. You can't just put an amendment into any bill. But none of that's true. I mean, they had hearings. I, I checked it again. There were hearings in the House, hearings in the Senate, and it was amended into a bill dealing with self-defense and
1: firearms. So what, right. what what is this claim they're making? I can't, you know, after you sent me the article, Dean, I read through it and I looked through the same things you did, and I just can't find any legal foundation for this lawsuit. And, and so, you know, then you ask yourself, well, what's this all about? Well, you start the, in the same place you started, which is who's behind this? And it's the usual suspects, right? So we've got Cecil Thomas down in Cincinnati. He's probably the strongest gun control uh, advocate in the entire legislature, definitely in the Senate. And then state representative Stephanie house uh, for those who watched the floor vote on this bill last, you know, at the end of last year uh, during the lame duck session, she lost her mind about this bill. She was so upset that it was even being considered. So it's not surprising they're the two with their names on it. I, 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 so I have to just think it's a political stunt. That's the best I can I can say. Well, it's election season, you know, so uh, that that is probably it.
0: However, you know, if you read this AP article and this this just makes my blood boil. I'm, I'm gonna read this to you. Uh, it says the NAACP said eliminating the duty to retreat, at least they don't call it stand your ground there. They're, they're saying duty to retreat. Eliminating the duty to retreat makes it, quote, easier to kill human beings without the perpetrators facing any legal consequences, a problem that would especially imperil human beings, in quotes, who are black Ohioans. And then they go on with some other stuff. Basically, Rob, what they're saying is that we passed this bill, so that white guys could go out and kill black guys and get away with it. That That's the claim. And yeah. we're, we're, we're seeing this come up with a lot of legislation where they play this race card. And it's infuriating because, you know, these bills on a practical level going are going to benefit minorities more than middle-aged white guys like you and me because— uh, you know, th- this is about everybody being able to defend themselves and not having this duty to retreat thing in the law that confuses everyone, trips people up, and it's probably going to put black people in jail when they've legally used their firearm. Yes. So, well, I-, I mean, I-, I, don't, I don't get it. They're arguing against their own constituents here, and they're blaming us for doing something that we're not doing. And this, this whole racism claim
1: just makes me furious. Well, if you uh, going back to the floor debate, I mean, the the leading cause for opposition uh, by those who voted against the bill was this idea that it was a racially charged vote. And I don't understand that, you know, to your point. So so why would you say it benefits uh, minorities more than it benefits white guys like us? I I think because, you know, if you live in an area where there's a high crime areas. You're, you're more likely to have an opportunity to have to defend yourself. And so having the law clarified, having the law clearly allow you to defend yourself, not just in your home, but anywhere you go, I, I think that, that can only be a good thing for people who now no longer have to worry if they're going to defend themselves and then ultimately have to hire a lawyer to defend themselves afterwards. So to me, it's nothing but good. But unfortunately, we're in a time, you know, where race is just the automatic, default position uh for opponents of almost any gun legislation right so if we're going to talk about constitutional carry oh it's race it's racist right if we're going to talk about duty to retreat oh it's racist and and i think when you actually look at the facts there's nothing racial about this It, it just simply clarifies your ability to protect yourself or your family
0: and it doesn't change the standard for use of lethal force in any way whatsoever. If you shoot anyone under any circumstances, the law enforcement is going to show up. They're going to investigate. They're going to make sure that you properly defended yourself. I mean, just like with any anything that's going to be investigated when a firearm is involved or somebody gets shot, the standard remains the same. This does not change the standard what it does is, is preventing people from second-guessing whether or not you could run away. Uh, it's, it's still going to have the same standard. You have to be in fear of death or great bodily harm before you use lethal force. This does right. not allow you to shoot someone and get away with it just because someone looked at you funny or cut you off on the road or took a, your parking space at the mall. It just doesn't do that, and there have been no stories— that have indicated that. And, and, uh, you know, prosecutions happen when people use firearms incorrectly and all of us, you know, law abiding gun owners still have to follow all the same rules that uh, this this is a very disingenuous argument that they're making. And, um, I I think you're right on your original comment. It's just politics. That's, that is all it is.
1: It's, it's politics and probably one other aspect, you know, um, we don't know this for sure yet, but I, I would assume if you're on the right kind of mailing list, you'll find this out very soon. This smells like a fundraising appeal. You know, this smells like something that uh, the NAACP is going to be sending out fundraisers on or, you know, representative house or Senator Thomas, they're, they're going to fundraise off of this. Cause that's, those are the only two explanations I can think of because the, the lawsuit itself seems frivolous. And uh, I would hope that the courts would just drum it out decisively, but you know, you, it's always a wild card when you're dealing with the courts, but it certainly doesn't look valid to me.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's just the, this whole race thing permeates. And it's not just gun stuff. It's just everything now. And I, and I think it's really over the top. And again, I maybe I'm just getting old and cranky, Rob. But, you know, I I've just I don't have any patience for those kind of arguments because I think they're disingenuous. Yes. Um, talking about good news, we were saying it's the 30th episode. That's good news. The other big piece of good news uh, was announced yesterday. The White House finally withdrew David Chipman's nomination of head of the ATF, which was really good news. Yes, and um, well,
1: we, we probably should have that applause again.
0: Well, all right, I've got a. There you go, David. David Chipman is gone. There you go. Our studio audience likes that as well. So, the, I mean, the whole thing—if you've not been following. The, uh, the Democrats, Biden uh, nominated uh, David Chipman and he was a former employee at the ATF. Well, that sounds fine, except he was actually a senior advisor to gun control groups, like Everytown for yeah. Gun Safety and for Giffords. Those are two of the big ones. And he's on record as saying that he wants AR-15s, semi-automatic rifles, and, and potentially all semi-automatic rifles to be regulated like machine guns. In other words, you have right. to be licensed. And the quote, which I believe is from 2015, he said, and I'm reading the quote here, I believe we should ban the future production and sale to civilians and afford current owners of these firearms the ability to license these particular guns. So he, he wants to license AR-15s or, or all semi-automatic rifles and basically treat them like, machine guns, which, you know, number one, that's not constitutional. And number two, it's, it's, again, we have one of these really disingenuous arguments. If he was involved with the ATF, if he's in any way qualified to work for the ATF or to be the head of the ATF, he's going to know the FBI stats on homicides because about half of homicides are with handguns. It's right, right there in the stats. This is not like an NRA stat, it's not our stat. This is right there in the FBI and FBI data. How many are how many homicides are committed with rifles? It's less than 2%. Less than 2%, and it's more like 1% if you really dig down into these stats. It's about the same with shotguns. So, you know, why would you want to ban AR-15s when there are so few crimes committed with them. And these stats, by the way, that, that, that 2% is, is about rifles. That doesn't even break it down to AR-15s. That's right. any kind of rifle. That's why I'm thinking that really, it's probably more in the 1% or less
1: range. So it's a really disingenuous argument. Well, it's just, again, it's politics, right? I mean, that's, that's really what it boils down to. And, you know, in this case, President Biden appointed a, a true believer gun control advocate, you know, to be the, the, the head, uh, head of law enforcement that impacts firearms directly. I, yeah, let's face it. I mean, the president is a gun control guy and he has been for a long time. And, uh, you know, he really came after us with this appointment. So it's really good news to see he, that he was forced to pull it back. You know, I noted in President Biden's remarks, he blamed Republicans for this. The fact is the Democrats control Congress. And they couldn't get 50 votes in the Senate to pass it. So they didn't have all the Democrats, which is great. So you know, thank goodness for guys like Joe Manchin who joined with the Republicans on this thing, right? And uh, and ultimately scuttled it. So really, it was you know John Tester from Montana. I saw in the article. So thank goodness we had a couple Democrats that uh, that joined our side on this thing and you know put this nomination to uh, to rest. I, I did note Dean. That the White House says they're going to find a place to stick him where he doesn't have to be confirmed.
0: Yeah, gu- yeah, gun control czar. That, that's the term they use. They <laughs> want to
1: maybe na- nominate him
0: or just name him because they don't need a nomination. They could just call him a gun control right. czar, which basically means he would just sort of freelance within the administration and do I don't know I don't know what he would do. But you know, when you don't have any other place to put someone, you call him a czar.
1: Yeah, that seemed to be the way that the. That presidents begin to go over the last twenty years, uh, I, you know, I need to make a political statement. I need to make a splash. This is topical, you know, gun controls topical. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll have a, a gun controls czar. That's probably where that's going to go next. But I tell you what, at least he won't be heading the ATF, right? That, I mean, that's the good news of the whole thing. And and really, uh, the if I can just get a little more philosophical here, uh,
0: you know, I don't think that we want anyone who's either a gun control guy or necessarily like super pro gun. I I think the idea is when you're, when you have these agencies, you don't want to politicize them and that's what's happening. You want someone in there who's going to follow the law. Right. I mean, this is law enforcement. ATF is law enforcement. And once you start to politicize law enforcement, that's when you get into trouble because then the next administration is going to come along. They're going to nominate someone who's political and then it's it's becomes Hatfields and McCoys. We're seeing that happen on the Supreme Court. And they're talking now about, you know, packing the court and they want, you know, advocates on there. So if in, if the entire government, including regulatory agencies and law enforcement, they're all political, the effect is you open up a bunch of fronts, right? In this great culture war. So instead of having a handful of fronts, you've got a hundred different fronts and you've got a battle everywhere. What that means is you're opening up more avenues
1: to lose ground. Well, and, and, and once everything becomes politicized, nothing is judged on its merits ever again. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, look, COVID has been politicized, right? Uh, you know, the, the uh, racial tensions have been politicized. The election was obviously would normally be a political thing, but the election results have been politicized. Right. And now You put a gun control advocate in charge of enforcing gun laws. Well, what else are we to think, right? We've got a president who's a gun control advocate. He has nominated uh, a very strident gun control advocate to head up the agency that would implement law enforcement. You know, uh, dealing with gun laws. The, the, The the amount of mistrust that this kind of of nomination engenders, it just continues to to send us down the same hole, unfortunately. But you know what, even, even in times that are bad, you know, we've got to get glimmers of hope here and there and, the, and having this nomination withdrawn, you know, that's a shot of good news. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy to see that.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it all boils down to rule of law and, and that's probably the greatest invention of humankind rule of law where we all agree, even though we might not like certain laws, we agree that we're going to abide by certain laws. And when you politicize that, people start disagreeing and we're starting to see that happen. Mm-hmm. People disagreeing about the fact that well here's a law we need to follow it and and people are going at this from a purely advocacy point of view and it, it it hurts everyone. So it's not about getting gun guys in there, it's about not politicizing it and I I don't know how to you know put that genie back in the bottle because that that honestly works against all of us. Instead of, just, oh, I, instead of just having to fight in a legislature where you can have a, a good fight and win that fight, now you're
1: battling everywhere. It's true. You, you know, and, and nothing is ever judged on the merits any longer, right. you know, and it's uh, overall, it's, it, you know, it's kind of, we're kind of in a dismal spiral in our country on things like this, you know, with presidents acting unilaterally, you know, without the consent of Congress, there's lots of bad signs, but at least on this one. You know, uh, he wasn't able to get his, his gun control fanatic in in, uh, in charge of enforcing gun laws on the rest of us.
0: Well, and speaking about Biden, there's another story, and this one involves uh, an oldie but goodie. This is a headline, Biden aims to sign on to UN Global Gun Registration Treaty. So if you've been following gun stuff for a while, you recognize this. There's this small arms treaty that the United Nation has been trying to get the U.S. to sign on to for a long time president Trump withdrew from the treaty and what this is really about that the original intent of this UN small arms treaty was about you know the trade of tanks and rockets and you know this this kind of what they call small arms but it's morphed into you know imported guns from other countries and things like that so the idea is If I buy a firearm that was imported from, you know, say Russia or Switzerland or whatever, that's considered small arms. And the treaty says that internationally that's supposed to be tracked. So potentially my name could go onto a registry that, you know, other countries would have access to. I mean, can you imagine that? We fight against registries here in our own country by our law enforcement agencies. And then here's an idea – for international agencies to have a registry of you, you know, for 10 years or more. And how, do, how does that work? How do other countries then uh, respect our Second Amendment here in this country? The, this is a crazy idea. So, I mean, part of this, I think, is just this administration thumbing its nose at the previous administration, you know, trying to undo everything. But they've been arguing about this Small Arms Treaty for a long time. It's a terrible idea. We have... You know, other countries can pass their own laws, but we have our own constitution, we have our own laws, and we shouldn't be getting other countries involved in telling us what we can or can't do or the rights that we have here in the United States.
1: The bottom line is this is a bad idea, and it always has been, right? I mean, this didn't originate, as you said, with uh, Joe Biden. You know, President Obama tried to put us in this treaty, and wisely, President Trump took us out. And now Joe Biden, who as has famously been said, has been wrong on every major issue that ever mattered. You know, now he wants to subject American citizens to so-called international law. I mean, and then you think about who is going to be in charge of this thing. Uh, The United Nations could mess up a three-car funeral. So not only would we be subject to registration on an international level, we would be registering firearms with an agency that is incompetent if not corrupt, I mean, look at the UN human rights council features countries like Syria and Iran. We're supposed to trust them with gun registration. It's a terrible idea. And, and um, if, if we were talking about anybody but president Biden, I'd just be wondering who would think this is a good idea. But as I said, you know I mean? uh, The president's been wrong on so much, I guess he felt like he just wanted to hit the trifecta and be wrong on this too. It's a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping this idea just goes away. It's been around for a long time. I, I can't even remember when we started talking about it, but it it's been years. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that um, we keep fighting that and nothing actually happens with it. But talking about bad ideas, here's another one, and this was uh, from a CNN exclusive, big headline: Something has to be done. After decades of near silence from the CDC, the agency's director of speaking up about gun violence. So basically what this is about is way back in 1997, the NRA convinced the Congress to cut off funds to the CDC for doing gun research. Now that's been presented as, well, you gun guys don't want to know the truth, you don't want to do any sort of research and find out anything about crime or violence or whatever. That's not true. The, the reason that the funding was cut off is that the CDC was doing research to prop up an anti-gun agenda. They specifically had an agenda for gun control and they wanted to do research to support that agenda. In other words, they had a conclusion and they wanted to do research to support it. So, right. um, you know, in 2018, Trump signed a government spending bill that brought this back. And I, I'm not sure you know, who convinced him to do that or what, what they were thinking, but they're going to start doing this again. And the director, the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, is out there saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm not here about gun control. And she says that she just really wants to find common ground quote, you know, common ground with, with gun owners to find out, you know, why do we have gun violence? You know, what, what, what is causing it? Well, this is another one of these situations, Rob, where they could just call me. I mean, I'm, I'm available. (laughs) I have a phone. uh, I have a landline. I have a cell phone. They could call me anytime. I can tell them what the root of, of all this is. It's, it's criminals. You know, it's not, this is not a health issue. This is a crime issue, and yes. that's, the, that's the problem with this is we're talking about a health organization that now a lot of people don't trust because of all the COVID stuff, but now they're going to get into the business of looking at crime and what the root causes are. I think that maybe they should be talking to law enforcement or just get out of it altogether. I think law enforcement, criminologists, people who deal with crime, have a much better idea of what causes, you know, illegal shootings, murders, uh, rapes, robberies, and all this sort of thing. the The suggestion here is they want to work with gun owners to find out the root of violence. Well, that means you and me. What What do we have to do with that, Rob? Right. When When was the last time that you knocked off a UDF? Right. Yeah. I mean, when When was the last time that I that I murdered someone? or was slinging dope and, and a deal went bad and, and I shot someone that's just not us. So why come to us? Why want, uh, why want our cooperation? They should be leaving this to criminologists, to law enforcement and just get, just get out of that altogether.
1: Well, and I think that's part of why it, you know, when you're, when you read something like this and someone says, well, don't you think that's a good idea a fundamental? No, it's not a good idea. I don't trust them. And, 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 you know, you're, your history on this, you know, president Bill Clinton initially wanted to be very aggressive on gun control. He, he sought to use the CDC as a, a propaganda factory for gun control research that he could use to justify his agenda. The backlash on that, of course, that you referenced, the NRA was able to get, uh, legislatively dry up any, any funding for such resor- uh, research because of the mistrust. Why would we want to go back to that? Right. I mean, it, it, as you say, it doesn't even pertain to actual health issues, which is what CDC is supposed to be good at. So, so you're left to just think, well, why would they be doing it? And i I hate to say it. I don't trust them. I think the only reason they'd be returning to this old saw is to start producing research that would prop up the gun control agenda. So uh, I think it's a bad idea as far as, you know, President Trump, bringing it back, you know, this article, you know, they used to say the scariest thing you ever hear from a government person is I'm from the government. I'm here to help. I think maybe the second scariest thing you'll ever hear from the government is something must be done. Right. And, you know, there were a few high profile shootings during president Trump's time in the white house. And he was under pressure to deliver something. And uh, he, he probably felt like this was a small item, but it's not a small item. And I, and I hate to see them get into this because it, it smells to me like they're going to get into the propaganda business, which is exactly what the NRA was trying to prevent uh, back in the late 90s.
0: And we're not anti-research. I mean, I, no. Rob, I, I actually graduated college with a science degree. I'm, I'm very pro-research of, of all kinds, research all kinds of stuff. But when you start out with a proposition and then do research merely to support that proposition. That is not research. That is advocacy. Yeah. That that's about creating a marketing message under the guise of public health. And the CDC just has no business in this. If we're wanting to fight crime, let's get the crime experts involved, not the health yes. experts. Right. That's right. I mean, that's if, right. You, you know, if you want to, if, if my car breaks down, I don't call my doctor. I call a mechanic. Yeah. You 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 call the expert to deal with it, and the health people are not experts in crime. And that's no. the bottom line.
1: No, and that really, and that's all there is to say about it. Except for you have to wonder: is there anything else the CDC could be doing right now that's topical? Uh, is there anything else that you'd rather have them focus on? You know, that that's the other question that stuck out to me in this when I read this article: is they don't have enough to do right now. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. They're Uh, they're just
0: twiddling their thumbs right now. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. There's, there's this virus. Have you heard about it? I I think so. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe they should get involved in that. I, I don't, I don't know, but you know, they're, they're not handling that very well because, uh, you know, and I don't don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, but you know, the messaging coming out from this and other agencies has just been terrible. It confuses people. And um, I don't know what else to say about that. It's not a, it's not a public health issue. It's a crime issue. That's right. Period. That's right. Well, Rob, um, this, uh, I think, was a good 30th episode. Thanks for coming back. We covered some stories that uh, got me a little spun up here. But, you know, that's, that's what this podcast is all about, talking about the news, trying to learn about what's going on. And uh, you know, solving all the world's problems. I think we've solved some problems here today.
1: Uh, if only I, they would listen to us, right? Yeah,
0: I, I wish. I wish more people would, because I, I think that <laughs> you know, people just make a lot of things a lot more complicated than they have to be. I think that's really what it boils down to. And a lot Absolutely. of this,
1: and a lot of this is just politics. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's it's been my pleasure to be with you, Dean.
0: So uh, we'll have you back again sometime. Hope that we get uh, geared up again. The uh, legislature. Uh, should be back in session here anytime, right and we're, and we're gonna start working again on our constitutional carry bill, the emergency bill, and all this other stuff that we've got had basically sitting on the table
1: since uh, they all went home on their summer break. That's right, stay tuned. Uh, we're, we're gonna hit the ground running and um, you know we're gonna need, we're gonna need our folks to, to burn the phone lines up here very soon. so I'm looking forward to getting busy on things that matter. Okay,
0: Rob. Well, again, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Dean. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.